This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, presented by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-5 to five in overtime on Monday night. A back-and-forth game culminated in Steven Stamkos scoring the game winner in overtime. Taylor, your takeaways from the game. Well, it's kind of the story of the season. Like, the offense obviously looks good. They can score. They're, they're going to be the highest-scoring Sabres team in more than a decade, which is nice, or they're at least on pace to do that. And the goaltending really didn't hold up, and there were some head-scratching decisions kind of all around. And unfortunately, it culminated in, in a late collapse that saw them lose in overtime. I don't know which one you want to say is more important. Goaltending is obviously – it's not good, and this is a third goalie they've kind of given a shot to this year, and Ukupak and allowed six goals on 25 shots. That is horrific. It's barely above a 750 save percentage really not a good performance. And yeah, there was some definite defensive lapses and Tampa Bay is a, a very skilled team, but that's still, that's not going to get it done. And they, you scored five goals. And when you, you score five goals, you should win. And the, the top two lines continued to look awesome. So you have that going for you at least, but yeah, that's, it's no surprise that the Sabres goaltending is uh it's not great. It's not exactly something you can do about in the, uh, anything about in the short term, unfortunately, uh, one positive, I guess I would say, is that Anderson really actually hasn't been that bad. But I think we just all kind of know if he's going to have to play a decent amount close together, he's either, either going to get hurt or play poorly because he's 42. And that's that's basically what happened last year. He got hurt and, and then he played poorly Yep. Uh, after a nice start. So good on him so far. I don't know how much I believe in him going forward. And then UPL just not only didn't play well, it didn't look good either. And... Comrie, who I believe is still out, is uh, hasn't been inspiring, to say the least. And you know what's not going to help? Kel Peterson. Not happening, folks. I'm glad we're addressing that right now really quick. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The contract and the money that it's going to cost, even though it's for two more seasons, he's just not good. And it is a bad idea to acquire a goalie for five, who's getting paid $5 million a year for two more years when in reality, the only scenario in which the Sabres should be getting a player like that is if they're taking on salary along with an asset from a team. Like there's no reason to gift LA with taking $5 million off their cap for nothing. hundred percent. I mean, if they want to try that deal, I didn't really consider that angle. 
it seems like LA is content to just stick him in the AHL for now. But if they want to try a deal like that, I'm not super, I mean, I'm open to it. I should say, I haven't really thought about it yet, but two more years is tough at 5 million a year. I really, yeah. really don't like that. Kel Peterson is a people might remember former Sabre uh, prospect went to Notre Dame, uh, stayed there for 100 years, refused to come out, <laughs> even though he looked really good every year. Like he could have come out after probably his junior year and did not stay, did the classic thing of, Thanks for drafting me, but see ya. I'm going to sunny LA. And he honestly, he started there pretty decent. The first year he got like a call up. He was at like a 922 in limited yep. starts and then played kind of like split starts with quick after that. And was at like a 911 a couple of years ago during the, uh, what do you call that? The, the shortened season during yes. COVID. And the last two years, last year, he also took on a, a decent load. And this year kind of too. Not good, really bad. Yeah, he's he's at an eight sixty eight this year. He was in the eight nineties last year, so he's a nine oh five total in the NHL in his uh, hundred or so appearances over the four years. That just tells me he's not a good goalie, and I don't know why he's getting paid the way he is. Yeah, I want no part of that at all. No, nope. So goaltending wise, that's that's kind of uh, we're stuck with that for the rest of the season. Hope we get something figured out. Hey, Devin Levi is a uh, Killing it still at the NCAA level. So, hey, maybe we see some of him uh, by the end of the season. Possibly. Possibly. Well, and it really does beg the question of what they're going to do next year because presumably you're going to want to give Levi – I mean, goalies get at least a year in the AHL, you know, after when making that jump. And so is it going to be Comrie and UPL next year? Are they going to go after another, perhaps like an older goalie on like a one-year deal to kind of do the same thing that we're doing right now? I, I don't know. It, it definitely is going to be interesting to see because we want to see them winning games next year. Like this year, we want to see them winning games, obviously. But next year is when money is going to really start to, you know, come into the equation there and you're going to want to start to see results and money in terms of the salary cap being taken up. We have all this space right now, but guys, it's, we're getting to the point. We're on the precipice of a lot of important guys needing to get paid soon. So with more salary comes greater expectations. We, for probably what, Taylor, the past two years have been saying 2023, 2024 is the year that they really need to take a step. That still absolutely holds true, I think, regardless of how this season goes. And can you, as Kevin Adams, your general manager, really say that Comrie and UPL going into next season, if that is the case, like, are you really doing your job? Are you really doing the goaltending position justice? Are you doing the rest of the roster that's taking these steps justice? Not at uh, all. The, o- the only way to me that it would work out is if, let's say, Comrie's really hurt for a long time and UPL is just like all of a sudden like, oh, I'm good now. And he's at like a 912 the rest of the year, save percentage wise. In that case, I guess you could see that. But if, if things stay like this, especially if Comrie comes back and UPL just goes down and continues to be an average AHL goalie still, you there's no way you can do that for next year. And, and there are a decent number of free agents next year uh, in, in the, at the goaltender position. Obviously, one of them, Cam Talbot, someone who's been decent for a few years. That seems like the perfect kind of stopgap guy. Like, hey, look at that. We got decent Cam Talbot, and then hopefully by the end of whatever contract you give him, Levi's a starter. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Maybe Portillo comes out. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why he would at this point, but but yeah, I 
yeah, that that's a discussion for the off season probably, or while we're approaching the off season is this is just an absolute necessity. And I don't know if it's something you could do in season. They tried to put a bandaid on it this past off season with mm-hmm. Matt Murray. Matt Murray has been pretty good this year. Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't want to come here. That's not really Kevin Adams's fault, but God, can you imagine if that deal would have went through? Oh. Yeah, getting, I know. I mean, getting him semi-competent like goaltending and moving up. What was it? Eight spots in the draft. It was from um, sixteen to seven, right? It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, the it was basically we were going to jump from where we took Otsland to right in front of where he took Savoy. Right. Yeah. Two picks. Before, well, yeah. Screw you, Matt Murray. I think. So. I know, right? Brutal. Because then what's this team doing if you're getting that goaltending? I mean, I think it's where a lot of people really want them to be right now, but just the reality of the situation is it's just not where they're at. But, yeah, yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see. And, well, while we're on the topic of the roster here, I think it's, you know, we wanted to really have a hearty discussion about Casey Middlestat. Him continuing to get the opportunities that he's getting in a, you know, third line center capacity now, now that we have these two lines, the top two that are really locked in and it doesn't feel like Granado will be foolish enough to to switch that up. But we keep giving Millistat these opportunities. We keep cycling in Vinny Hinostroza into the lineup, which having a guy like Hinostroza in your forward group and your bottom six is is perfectly fine. But it's coming at the expense of, guys like Rasmus Asplund and more prominently Peyton Krebs getting scratched and it's pretty frustrating I gotta say because when you look at the organization and how they've typically handled younger players it's not as surprising about Asplund as it is with Krebs for me because with younger players of, of Krebs stature the Sabres have always been willing to give guys like that an extended shot who are higher up on the priority list, I guess we could say in terms of where they rank uh, among the prospects. And for Krebs, he was the key piece of the Eichel deal. And so that was really the big thing is that you're getting that key young player back. Obviously Tuck has been a revelation for them. They got a first, like you need all of those pieces to come together for that deal to happen. But Krebs was an integral part of that deal. And he is continuing to get scratched. Don't get me wrong. Has he been, you know, lighting the world on fire this year? No, he hasn't, but he's looked better than last year. And what good are you doing him by sitting him in the press box? At the same time, there is the option of sending him down to the AHL. And while that out of hand, I guess for his own development may be better than him just sitting and not playing at all and getting ice time at the same time, why, though, is this coming at the expense of now Casey Middlestack getting to get this this ice time and these opportunities when he's shown that he just really can't hack it and maybe he can hack it somewhere else and he needs a change of 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 scenery to be able to start to put it together. But it just does not seem right when one of your key young players, which, again, I want to make the point that I think we forget about it a little bit sometimes. Everybody knows that, obviously, Krebs was a piece of that deal, but with how good Tage has been, with Darlene taking the step that he has, you have another first overall pick in Owen Power on the team. You have Quinn and Paterka now are really showing out. You know, Cousins has looked great. A lot of the young guys have all been starting to step up, and Krebs really 
I don't want to say that he hasn't gotten the opportunity to, but Middlestack continuing to get opportunities over him when he really has not shown that he deserves it is incredibly frustrating. And I'm not trying to be out here saying that, you know, we're comparing Granado to Kruger or anything ridiculous like that. But these are justified criticisms of the coach that, we, you know, people we need to be having a serious conversation about. So I'm kind of just curious for what your thoughts on that, Taylor. Like, do you think that it is a big deal? And do you think that uh, something needs to happen imminently to to correct this? Yeah, I would say definitely. So talking about middle stat, you could look at his traditional stats and be like, hey, this is not so bad. What are people mad about? He has five goals, eight assists for 13 points. He's actually on pace for his best point season. But dig a little deeper, he only has three even strength points. I doesn't score at even strength. That's not good. And he's playing a decent amount. He's playing a total of 16 minutes a game. Some of that is obviously coming on the power play. Now he's done pretty well in the power play, but the thing is with that is you can replace a lot of guys with decent power play time, considering their power play as a whole hasn't even looked that good. So uh it, it the the thing is what is hard to do in the NHL, what is hard to find is guys that can score to even strength. You're scoring three even strength points through 22 games. That's I mean, I can't even think of what his even strength points per 60 minutes is. It's it's gotta be super low, insanely low. And then when you you could talk about it from a stat side or you can talk about it from the eye test. So here's the here's the thing I see every game, which is that when he's on the ice, they're getting bodied, he looks slow, he looks out of it. He does not look dangerous offensively like he did at the end of the season two years ago when it seemed like he was finally coming on, and he doesn't make his line mates better. In fact, he makes them worse or makes them appear worse. And then what you see after the game is a total validation of your eye test when looking at the charts that it, or people like our friend Chad D. Dominicus put out or other people like that after the game that show you know, expected goals, all, all that kind of stuff, basically. A lot of these things kind of boil down to how did you play? And it's always him and his line mates near the bottom because uh, he's uh, he's not playing well. And it's it's year six. Like I yeah, I thought I think we talked about this earlier about Nylander, us getting a good value out of Nylander, kind of good value, I guess. Yeah, Yoki, how are you? Uh, how how did that happen? Because you traded him when he hadn't been in the NHL that long. It'd been three years since he'd been drafted. This is year six. Casey, like he either is an NHL player or he isn't. I mean, it seems like who things are going right now. He's the very least he can hang around an NHL team, but shit, you don't want someone who can hang around an NHL team blocking guys, especially if it's a guy that, you know, doesn't really have a discernible thing. That's like, you have to put him in the game because of X. Henestroza is like a, a glue guy kind of guy. Look at the lineup right now. Jost looks like a classic bottom six guy. I don't know why he was waived. Oposo is the captain. He also scored 20 goals last year and has been turned himself into a good fourth liner. Gergensen's excellent defensive player. Uh, and then Olison scores goals. I mean, not consistently, not always at even strength, but he scored more goals than I believe any saver the past four years. But that's not saying a lot because they turned over the whole team two years ago. But yeah. still, that's that's your bottom six. And it's like, well, why does Casey fit in there? You can't even say he's a good prospect anymore. Like I just said, it's year six post-draft, I should say, year six post-draft. Year five in the NHL. I know it's been intermittently in and out his first three years and barely played last year. But I think what me, you and I both wanted coming into this year 
or going into last season, honestly, is, hey, where is Casey? What should we get out of Casey? Uh, what is he, where does, how does he figure into our future? And we couldn't get that last year because he was hurt for such a huge percentage of the season. And I think we have it. I don't think he figures into the future. And I know he's a former first round pick, former top 10 pick that you want to get good trade value out of. But if you didn't get it yet, you're not going to get it. At this point, you're, you're hurting your team. Now, let me ask you with looking at tonight's lineup, they're currently playing while recording against the Red Wings, by the way, uh, would you just replace Krebs in middle stat spot or would you do something different? Or would you put Asplund in there as well? I mean, I would want Asplund in there too. And again, I think that just goes back to Adams needing to make a move here. On top of that, what I I just want to go back to quickly with regard to where Casey fits into all of this, I think it should be more about if you want to make him fit, where can he reasonably succeed? And while you said, I don't disagree with you that Jost has been, you know, a, a fine bottom six guy, bottom line guy, don't get me wrong, but to me, I'm just wondering, like, why can't Middlestat just take those minutes? You bring Krebs back into the lineup and you bring Asplund back into the lineup for Hinostroza then. And Hinostroza can be your 13th forward. But those guys are getting regular ice time. And then Casey, again, like, he's not, it's just not working on the third line. Why are we not giving it? An, why is he not getting the checking line treatment that Krebs was getting and that Quinn was getting before, too? Why can't we I mean, they must Casey? really be trying to juice his trade value. Uh, is, but is it that or is it that they're just I hope they don't think that he's actually like playing well, but it, it's about opportunity, though. Aren't you going to give variety of guys opportunity and then in turn you're getting guys different looks? I mean, we haven't even gotten a look at Casey on the fourth line, really, but it feels like he would be a good fourth line player. That's fine. Like you have a little bit of skill there. You have a guy that if you put him on the wing, you're giving him more limited defensive responsibilities. Hell, you could play him at center. Actually, I'm fine with playing him at center on the fourth line, but then you're putting Krebs in more of a position to succeed. You're pairing Krebs with a guy like Asplund, who we've seen have been able to play all right together. And then in turn, you're going to have Olofsson on the other wing, but Asplund makes Olofsson better too. And so that feels like it's a much better way to maximize the lineup than what they're doing right now. And by continuing to sit Krebs, it's hurting his development. There's no getting around it. it. That's not to say that it's some unfixable mess that they're in right now, because there is a way to fix it. And it's by getting middle stat off the roster, preferably even including Olafson in that trading him and maximizing his trade value. Now that he is, on well over a 20 goal pace at this point getting what you can for him and actually getting an asset in return and then you're able to give Krebs runway to be able to get consistent ice time and be able to properly develop and properly season and get different looks get power play two time you know you have the benefit now of having these first two lines that seem to be all very in sync with each other and and a really solid one-two punch there see what Krebs can do in that spot because in the in the long run which is what this whole thing is about it's not about right now it's about the long term with everything that this organization has said you're not backing that up by putting Krebs in the press box night after night agree yeah it it, to me it's useless I think if they really are committed to this and now the fact that they picked up Jost makes me think they are and they're not going to make a trade, then he has to go to the AHL. And then I don't really see another way around it. 
No. Well, what uh, else could you do? Trade Middlestat and Olofsson. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think I don't think you dump off Olsen necessarily. I don't think it's do a – no, it's not a matter of dumping. K- getting rid of Casey in a trade for a swap, that is a matter of dumping and hoping that you can get something back that's going to do something. But you know what you're giving up. You have to know what you're going to get in return. In Olsen's case, I think that that can clear a spot because Olsen is not a part of the long-term plans here. It just I, I just don't think that he is. His five-on-five play, I think, speaks to that. While I will say he's looked good at times at five-on-five this year, don't get me wrong, and there's other areas of his game that seem as though they're starting to round out, I think that you will maximize the value that you have in him by moving him while his value is high for whether it's maybe it's another forward piece that's coming back that's going to give you better overall five-on-five results, or maybe it's a right-handed defenseman that you can play with power you're going to, his value is going to be high. And if you know that he's not really going to have a spot in this forward group, because again, let's say these top two lines are are secured for the foreseeable future next year, say we have three spots there. I mean, unless Krebs is traded, he's going to probably be in one of those spots. He's going to be a year older. Asplund maybe is there. You're going to have Savoy in the conversation. You're going to have another potential trade to try and improve the forward group there. It just feels like Olafson is not going to have a place on this team moving forward. And so if you can trade him, you know, while the, while the iron's hot, get a quality piece back in return. I think that that's something that they really do have to be considering right now. No, I think so. I, I we, these are the two guys we talked about, like before the off season, we talked about this at the end of last season. So not much has changed in that department, but before we move on to any other topics, let's hear a word from our sponsors at DraftKings. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line in any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Now, Brendan, you know, they're not our only sponsor. And, uh... If you didn't hear Monday's episode, everyone out there, or the the episode before that, mm-hmm. uh, we have another sponsor, folks. It's it's Thin Man Brewery. Damn right we do. And boy, are we lucky to have them. A hundred percent. Well, so like I said, if you didn't hear Monday, we did our first ad read for them. And what we talked about was uh, a beer they have on tap. Now, it's not a new beer. But it might be new to you if you are new to Thin Man because they haven't uh, done this beer since 2019. It's called Sometimes Science is More Art Than Science, Fruited Sour Ale. Now, this beer, like I said, it's been three years now, more than three years since they've done this. Uh, The COVID-19 pandemic uh, hadn't even hit yet the last time they did this. That's how long it's been. Well, don't wait three years to get this, though, folks. It's out on Friday. It's called Sometimes Science is More Art Than Science, like I said. It's a fruited sour ale, and it's flavors mango lime vanilla and lactose that's a really interesting combination i kind of want to 
really want to try this. I, I didn't try it back in 2019. So I really, I, I'm a, I'm a big fruited sour guy. What about you? I also like them. Yeah, no, I definitely can get down with that. I'm like thinking about it now. We should probably try and hit there for a game soon. Absolutely. Now, if you're not familiar with Thin Man, they have locations on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street in Buffalo. And hey, they got everything you need. Chandler Street has a big event space, also a bar downstairs. Uh, Thin Man Elmwood, live music. I know a guy that plays there every once in a while. Great beers. You get cocktails. There's a great food menu. And all kinds of uh, different theme nights. So definitely follow them on Instagram to sure. see what their new beer releases are or what kind of party they got going on. They, they have stuff going on for Bills games. They have trivia. And, hey, they might have some events featuring us in the future. Uh, to Not to be determined. To be announced. To so, be announced events. To be announced Thin very, Man, very soon. Thin Man Brewery. And that beer, again, is sometimes science is more art than science. Very all right. Nice. So. Let's move on to uh, another topic uh, I just thought of now, Give it <laughs> which to me. is, have we actually heard uh, with Lipchushkin's, uh injury? I know he blocked a shot the other night. So is it just a day-to-day thing? Yeah. I, I honestly hadn't heard anything about it. You know what? I, I saw there was a quote earlier that it's not as bad as they originally thought. Let me find that really quick. But yeah, no, Lubushkin is seemingly going to miss some time here, but I believe that it is not anything Serious, but I think it's worth bringing up with Lubushkin. He was great at the start of the year. First few games, I really, really liked his game. I really liked the physicality that he brought to the lineup. Since then, not too good, Taylor. Not too good. No, he hasn't He hasn't been as good. And he came back from injury, so I, I kind of wonder if he was rushed back or if he himself rushed himself back because he uh, understandably wanted to get back out on the ice. I don't I would you say that was a line of demarcation for you too? Like he just looked he looked worse after he came back. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. I, I would imagine he's not a hundred percent. With this particular injury, no matter how severe it is, because he's at least missed tonight's game, which the Sabres are winning two one at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh he blocked a shot late in the game on Monday, and all his teammates came over and like, you know, thank him, like, hey, good, you know, good block, all that stuff. And then they go on to lose in overtime anyway. That hurts. Yeah. Also, you might as I well just, just let looked, that one go through. <laughs> I just looked. There's no timeline quite yet as to when he will be back, but the initial prognosis is better than they originally thought. No, that's good. All right, so the Sabres are obviously playing right now, so we're not going to talk about that. They're beating the Red Wings 2-1 in the first period. Basically, as soon as I said Craig Anderson was having a pretty good year, he gave up a goal less than two minutes in, but he hasn't it's given up lot. another one yet, so that's good. What's that? Thanks a lot. Yeah. So you tomorrow we're hosting earpiece in right while he plays and he listens to us while we record live. Yeah. Well, I, sent I thought him the zoom link too. considering his age. Do you think he knows what a podcast is? <laughs> he might be a radio fella. <laughs> the Sabres are hosting the Stanley cup champion and recently kind of hot avalanche team. So they're getting that the Avs and uh, Red Wings back to back nights. That would have been a nightmare in the nineties. Will you be at the game tomorrow? I will not. Will you? I will. Yeah, I'm going. I, How I, many people do you think are going to be there? Because good question. I only really committed because I knew I'd be able to catch the second half of the game. So yeah, Thursday night, and it's Colorado. If it was like well, any yes. team else aside from Colorado, and except for maybe like Toronto, I don't think I would go. Right. So. 
Thursday night games are usually better attended than the first three nights of the week. And Avalanche should get a crowd. It's mm-hmm. one of the best teams they'll play this year. Maybe the best. Who knows? I, I, I don't really balk when uh, either reigning Stanley Cup champions or teams that just lost a Stanley Cup start slow, especially when that slow starts 12-7-1. But anyway, that should bring in a good crowd, except that the Bills are on Thursday Night Football tonight when you're listening to this, obviously. Uh, they are playing the Patriots, so that's it's a big game. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, you're right, though. People will be able to see the second half. And then the Sabres play again before we talk. Uh, yeah. Oh, Sunday. They host the Sharks. That's right. So yeah. Sunday night. Hmm. That'll be interesting. I don't know if we will have recorded by that time. What time is the game at on Sunday? Seven. It's a night game on Sunday. I don't like that. Interesting. I feel like I wish it was like a 1 p.m. or that'd be great. Yeah. Flex no it back. Bills? Like, come on. I know. This is. Oh, that's probably why they did it, though. Because is the NHL schedule made? No, the NHL schedule is not made before the NFL, right? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, well, what the hell, guys? Come on. Use your noggins. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know if if the no, the Niners wouldn't be playing at 1 p.m., right? Probably. I don't know. I assume people in San Jose are Niners fans. I guess it could equally be Raiders fans, but. Well, probably, yeah. Probably more Niners, right? Yeah, the Raiders moved, so. I would say I was going to say. Yeah, or they're fans of, where, uh, what movie was it where there's a San Jose football team? Is that uh, Any Given Sunday? Was it that? Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. Uh, what a great movie. I feel like I see, I like the clip, I recently saw the clip from that in like a montage or something. Maybe it was something the Sabres put out. I don't know. That just reminded me of Is that. That's the, the... the inches we need. Are everywhere around us. That one. Yeah, it might have been that. He's like the worst football coach ever, but he I liked is. it. I, I love the movie. Oh, yeah, of course. That's how it is, I feel like, in half of those like sports movies. It's like, this shouldn't make sense. Yeah, but that movie is weirdly uh, prescient. Like, really predicted a lot of stuff that happened in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Stuff that wasn't really at the forefront in 1999, which is a, a very good step back. Because Varsity Blues came out, I believe, a month before or after that movie. Two of my. You want to watch sports. any given Sunday soon? Want to hang out and watch that? Oh hell yeah, we should. I'm being dead serious right now. That'd be a great time. Yeah, I'd love to. We'll uh, live John... tweet it off of Straight Up Savers. Yeah, in case you guys haven't seen this 23 year old movie, <laughs> um, John C. McGillney is like the cynical sports writer. Love wow. him. Has a big cigar for some reason all the time. Now, nah, back in the day, everybody had to have one. Come on. All the writers. Yeah, but was that day 1999? Yep. <laughs> Damn, man. Oh, anyway, I, we will see whether we, we talk about the game before after the Sharks and uh, what happens with the Avalanche. I guess we'll talk about that on Sunday. And maybe we'll have some other things to talk about. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I, I thought of another thing. Brendan, did you happen to watch the uh, Gotham Classic? On a Friday, St. Bonaventure versus Notre Dame basketball. I missed that as a matter of fact. How did it go? Uh, St. Bonaventure won. It was a nice game. I, I don't know why it's not a tournament. It's a it's a showcase, but yeah, they they won three in a row and culminated with a nice win over Notre Dame right after America's zero zero win over England. On a scale of one to ten, how excited were you to tell me that <laughs> uh at least an eight right yeah like an eight yeah i'll take it 
If Notre Dame was better, I'd be more excited. And if oh, Bonaventure was is. better, to be honest, if either of us was better. There you go. All right. Any last thoughts, Taylor, before we sign off for the day? Go Team USA. I agree. Saturday they play, right? Saturday, 10 a.m., big game. Netherlands. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode. Check out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're also following them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're following us, Facebook and Instagram, Straight Up Sabres. And on Twitter, it's at Straight Sabres. And last but not least, make sure you're checking out the sponsors of this podcast, both DraftKings, where you can use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals, and Thin Man Brewery, and make sure you're hitting up both of their locations this weekend for whatever sports watching you may be partaking in. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Straight up Sabres.